Another Way to Play, episode 78. Time is something that you will never, ever, ever get back again. Think about it. What do I want to be remembered for? How do I want to go down knowing where did I allocate the most time? Was it feeding my joy and my happiness or was it checking email? This is Shanita Liu, Chief Energy Officer at Coach Shanita Inc. And if you want to learn more to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is the Chief Energy Officer at Coach Shanita Inc. That is, of course, Shanita Liu a certified transformational life coach, TEDx speaker, Reiki master, and she shows people how to connect and tune into their courage, power, and strength so that they can stop sacrificing themselves and start transforming what's in their hearts into reality. Shanita and I have a really fantastic conversation that you're definitely going to want to listen to. She gets started off with a story of her sobbing on the subway and how she knew that was the moment in her life when it was time to make a change. We dig deep into a couple areas of how she actually did that, and she gets into specifically the one magic question she was asked early on, which is, what do you need? That question has led her on a quest to really unpack or peel back layers of an onion as we talked about it, her own journey and has transformed her from someone who puts everyone else first to someone who honors herself and teaches others to do the same. She has one other comment that you're really going to want to listen up for that I think is really powerful if you let yourself resonate with it. There is so much power in the unknown. So I'll let you go listen for that. And before we get into the episode, remember that I would love to connect with you one-on-one. So head down to the show notes, hit up my Calendly link, get on the schedule. Let's have a quick chat and get to know each other. And as always, if you're getting value, I'd really appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. Just tell me that you're listening. Tell me what you're liking and just really give us critical feedback of what's your opinion going right, going wrong, and just help us grow a little bit more. So without any further ado, I'm going to get into the episode with Shanita Liu. Shanita, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. We just heard your bio. We kind of understand what you're doing now, but let's back up and build a little bit of context and tell the audience where your journey began. Yes. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of significant chapters in my life. One that I like to tell is my sobbing on the subway moment. Back in 2015, I was on my way to work to the South Bronx, and I found myself one cold January morning sobbing in the corner, and there was one person definitely watching me, trying to look like she wasn't watching me, and I 
fell apart. I was broken. I was burned out. I had had enough. And I had burned out so many times in my life trying to be the good student, being a public servant, trying to be a good wife, trying to be a good worker. I mean, you name it. I burned out in about every category of my life. But at that point, I realized enough was enough. And the workhorse behavior mentality that I had always kind of worn as a badge of honor, I realized that that was no longer serving me. And if I continued on the road that I was on, something bad would really happen. So Mm -hmm. I mustered up the courage to quit my job at the time. Then I got pregnant with my first child. Then I put in an offer for a home. And you're in a real estate, so you Mm -hmm. are a real estate agent. So you understand that it's probably not a good idea to put in an offer when you're down to one income versus two. On top of that nerve-wracking time, I decided, oh, I'm not only going to pursue a life coaching certification, I'm going to start a business. And I had no entrepreneurial bone in my body. So Mm -hmm. 2015 was a pretty pivotal year because everything that could sort of flip upside down in my life totally did. That's pretty wild. Can you take us to the moment back on the subway, not to totally rehash an old wound here, but... uh, (laughs) How did you, can you, can you break it down more specifically for you, like how you got there and what that experience was like, what you were feeling, what led up to it, and then how you knew that was the moment that was the line in the sand and you were not going any farther? Yes. I had been working very hard at my job and really did everything I could to, I guess, earn the gold star. You know, I took on every project. And even though I tried to exercise my muscles around advocating for support, asking for help, and even setting boundaries, what I realized was that I had some mindsets and behaviors that I already had in place that were not going to set me up for success. So working so many hours during the day, that was a pattern and that was behavior I already established. And so my body was physically tired and emotionally Mm -hmm. I was spent. I would come home crying just about every evening to my husband (laughs) around dinner time. It wasn't cute. It wasn't pretty. I was a mess. And I think in the spirit of always trying to believe that, believe in the good of people and believing that there's hope ahead and that there's room for change, I sort of stuck it out in a situation that I already knew was pretty toxic. So mm-hmm. that toxicity carried over time. This was not an overnight thing. These were the small, unserving bad habits and choices I made over time that led to this breakdown. And I think the aha at that point was that it was a new year. It was in the beginning of the year. So there was a part of me that felt like, whoa, can I actually realistically see myself here in three months, in five months? I couldn't even see myself there for another week. But, Mm. (laughs) you know, at that point, at least I finally had the wheels turning to say enough is enough is enough. Well said. So you get to this point on the subway because you had taken on so many things. There were probably wounds left unhealed and just as we all do, throw the Band-Aid over top of it and pretend it's not there. (laughs) And then here you are on the subway having this breakdown and this person's watching, even though they're trying not to watch you. But like, we all know, we've all been in those moments where I'm like, I can't look away, but I'm trying not to watch at the same time. So then it's like, okay, everything has to change. It goes straight into wholesale change. Like you got pregnant, you bought the house, you're 
totally changing your career in a huge way. What sparked the need for the the massive change? And and then, as we keep on the story, like how did you get through all that? Because it's a lot. Any one of those things is a lot, let alone all of it at once. Yeah, definitely was a lot. In all caps, font seventy two. <laughs> and there was one magic question that helped me, which was, "What do you need?" Mm. I was asked that by my life coach. And so what was really great being part of a coaching certification program is that I got to receive tons of coaching Mm. as part of my curriculum. And the work on needs and values is a really core piece of a lot of coaching practices. And no one ever asked me growing up or in the workplace or in school, what do you need? So when I got that question, I was confused. My mind was boggled because I didn't even know where to start. I didn't even know what it meant. I didn't even know that needs were important, whether they be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. I had no idea. I had always been in a mindset that you do for others, you put yourself last, and that's that right? You know, and I am a first generation Indo-Caribbean American woman. So seeing my single mom, seeing all of my family members put pedal to the metal, put their heads down and just work, work, work so that they can provide. Well, if that's the template that I got, then that's what I'm going to do too. Nobody put their needs first. That's not even a conversation, at least in my culture. And so that question was very powerful coaching also helped reconnect me to my courage, which is something I lost along the way. Because when you are in a workplace and you advocate for yourself and then you do not end up getting what you need, then there's a part of you, like sort of the fire and the spark starts to fizzle out. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge level of disappointment followed by disengagement. And all of that, I, I lost my courage. I kind of felt hopeless. And Mm -hmm. being in a place of hopelessness is a really dangerous place to be in. So I had to get hopeful. I had to get strong. I had to get courageous. And I had to get clear on what I needed because I finally realized that my needs mattered and that I mattered too. Interesting. So I agree with all of what you've said. And I think there's a lot of advice and a lot of books and a lot of podcasts that talk about that and sort of play lip service to it, if you will. However, for you, I would love if you'd unpack that a little bit further, like, because I think all of us had to some degree, whether it's cultural or just what we've been taught through school or, you know, our desires to just simply get ahead, put our head down and just deal with some stuff that's uncomfortable, have that mentality around, like, just do it, just get it done and we'll deal with the rest later. How did you really begin to address that and understand it on a practical level for yourself so that you could then actually answer that question of what do you need? There were some mindset behaviors, behaviors and mindsets that definitely had to shift. So Mm -hmm. for example, I think at the point of burnout, I was too taxed and I could no longer sort of function at this high capacity, just push, push my needs, push my emotions, push all of that stuff down. I couldn't, I was too much of a mess to even function properly. And 
one step at a time. I literally had to take my life one step at a time. So the type A project manager in me could no longer create spreadsheets. I could no longer create timelines. I could no longer plan for anybody at my job, much less myself. Mm-hmm. I had to take it five steps back and, un- and become patient with myself. And if you have a type A personality, you know, patience is one of those <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a virtue that's very difficult to practice, not impossible, but mm-hmm. to be able to be kind and compassionate enough to yourself to give yourself permission to say, oh, I'm not going to do that today. I can't do that today or I will not do that today because of blank, because of my health, or because of the way. So my feelings were a big compass, like a compass and a guide to what was going on because I physically could not function anymore. And then I think another part of it was, um, hmm, I, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, just lost, oh, good. I just lost it. <laughs> so, you, um, so your inability to act and to continue on the way you are is clearly a symptom of something that's a lot deeper. And so to really sort of go back to step one of like, how do you answer that question of what you need when you've never been asked it before? You took this opportunity to start to unpack some of those emotions and those feelings and thoughts and thought patterns that kind of kept you in that world of put yourself last, serve other people and just shut the F up if you want to be crass about it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm kind of going down that, that world is because I think a lot of people feel that way whether to one degree or another around their jobs, around their relationships. And I'm sure that it's not just you and me who can sit here and and all agree on this sort of thing. I always talk about in sales, like go a couple layers deep, like ask why three times specifically. Steve Sims talks about that. A lot of sales trainers that I've had on have talked about continuing to peel the onion back specifically around, well, why is that? In my case, it's like, you want a three-bedroom, two-bath. Why is that? Oh, because, you know, we're expecting a second child soon and we want them to have their own room. Okay, why is that? Well, because when I grew up, you know, we had uh, separate rooms and it was really great to have that own separate space and it was healthy for the family. And then why is that? Boom, boom, boom. And now, if you keep going a little deeper like that, you all of a sudden can solve that need in a very different way because maybe all of a sudden... It's not a house that they need, but it's an investment property because they need to start putting away money for rent or something. Like that's an extreme example, but you see what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Like you can really get to a core root. And I think that's what you're saying of like, go like start identifying things and peel that layer back layer by layer. I love that you shared that example because in addition to needs, there's also values. And so values are also at the heart of what matter Mm -hmm. to us, right? And so when I was working with coaches, values is is a very like loaded term. There are a lot of ways it could be interpreted. There's there's so much to it. But at the end of the day, when I got clear on my needs and my values, I realized that I valued at that point in my life, knowing I wanted to start a family, knowing that I had other dreams that I had put on the back burner, knowing that the lifestyle that I was living was no longer sustainable. Like I stretched that out as much as I could till I couldn't and I was sobbing on the subway. But when I realized that I needed autonomy, I needed flexibility, I needed creativity, and that family just being a value of this is what I'm working towards building in my own life and mm-hmm. I can't do that when I'm sobbing on the subway. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. those values ended up being sort of at the core of the onion as the metaphor that you use to help 
me stay courageous along the way because mm -hmm. you can quit the job and then you can in 24 hours go, holy moly, what did I just do? I just made yep. the biggest, right? All that stuff, all those inner critics start coming in like, why'd you do that? That was stupid. Now what are you going to do? You're financially effed over. And so the values and the needs kept being my guidepost to bring me back and go, that's right. You weren't getting flexibility. That's right. You weren't getting autonomy. No, that's right. You can't start a family and be pregnant if you're sick all the time, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that was helpful and that's what helped me take it day by day, week by week, month by month. Values. It's at the core of it. And I, I really like the way that you called it a guidepost. I think that that is really critical because frankly, I'm in a moment of transition in my business. My wife is as well. To some degree, we all are, but like trying to reverse engineer, where are we trying to go? What are we trying to do? What do we value? What's going to bring us meaning? Because I've told this story on this show many times, like money doesn't do it. Like I had my first really big month. I made I think 60 or 70,000 in commissions in one month, middle of last year. And I thought like, if I just crack six figures, it's all going to be great. Like I'm going to have this, this huge achievement. And then in that one month, I was going to overshoot it by that point for sure. But I was at the barbecue. I opened my bank account on my phone. I saw the money in there and I'm sitting there like, hmm guess this is it. <laughs> like no fireworks, <laughs> no, you know, it's like cool to have money in the bank. Absolutely. But the point was, I had this epiphany of the money isn't the significance, like the money isn't the end, you know, life keeps going on and you have to decide ultimately something bigger and more meaningful for yourself. And that's where that values conversation comes in, I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm hoping you agree with me on that Yeah, one. totally. And I would also add that because we all place such a high value on money, especially if you come from a family where you didn't have a lot growing up and that's sort of a background that I have. And so that was important to me. But your time, your mm -hmm. time is something that you will never, ever, ever get back again. And mm -hmm. when I think about when people talk about their legacy or like if something were to happen to you and people throw out these hypothetical questions, I have to think about it, you know, what do I want to be remembered for? How do I want to go down? Like knowing where did I allocate the most time? Was it to feeding my joy and my happiness and spending time with my kids? Or was it checking email? None of that stuff matters. And you have to get clear on what you need so that you can fuel yourself to then go on to the next thing like that's going to help direct you especially if you're an entrepreneur right you know okay well i need to make x y and z revenue from my business but if you also know that you need to serve and you're part of your own mission statement is impact then that's going to help direct where you spend your time and i found myself when i started my business spending a lot of time like building as many of us do right you've got to build stuff from the ground up you're behind your computer all of that as i continued to grow my business, I realized what matters most. It's people. It's transformation. It's helping other people get clear on their needs and values because then you end up being that hamster on the wheel and then you end up falling back into the very same patterns. And so I know I'll never get my time back. So I'm that much more strategic about how I use it because joy is also another value. And I never mm -hmm. had that on my values list. Really well said. 
speaking of time, because I agree that it's one of these things you don't get back. Looking back at your story and your path and that moment on the subway, would you go back and even pre-subway story, like would you try and change something about what you had done to quote unquote better allocate that time? Or are you glad that you went through that experience and wouldn't trade it? I wouldn't change it or trade it, but I, I swear if I could go back, I'd just shake her. I'd be like, Shanita, stop it. Stop it. It's going to be okay. You're fine. You're not behind on life. Stop comparing yourself to other people. The speed mm-hmm. at which you were operating doesn't make sense. This is just it's not going to work. You've yeah. got the wrong formula. Like I think if anything, I'd give her a good talking to, but I don't know that I would change anything because it was this continued notion of work hard till you work yourself to the ground was what got me to where I was and then part of why I do what I do today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I just had someone else on the show earlier today before we started recording this episode, Joanna Dodd-Massey, her big controversial thing she tells people is you don't have control. And what she means by that is you don't have control over most, if not all of the inputs that come into your life and your your outcomes and your circumstances and the economy, obviously. But she calls herself like a queen of pivoting. And she frames it in a way of being able to kind of respond and react to things, but also being okay with the way things are to the extent that it's happening the way that it should or the way that it will. Now that we're getting a little bit heady here, but it was a really interesting thought that has been resonating with me for the last couple of hours. And it's sort of what you're talking to when you would have shaken yourself sitting on the subway. You know, it's going to be okay. Don't compare yourself to others. Things are happening as they're supposed to for you. And as long as you're awake at the wheel and aware of what's happening, you know, hopefully giving yourself some tools and, you know, that's probably where the coaching comes in to be able to handle and make those decisions. You know, generally it's going to happen the way that it should. Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because we want to have control. I want to know what I'm doing tomorrow and what's on the agenda next quarter. And I want to know it all. And part of this journey has been learning to relinquish control. And there was a piece of advice that I got during my coaching program that I will never forget, which is there is so much power in the unknown. There is so much power in the unknown. I remember my jaw dropping when I heard that because the first time I heard it, I thought, whoa, one, I've never heard anybody say that. And two, for real, you know, knowledge is power. Everything that we plan and do, that's going to help us want to get ahead. Don't we want to set ourselves up for success? Don't we want to get it right? And when you flip that script and you trust that there is power in the unknown, then It turns everything upside down. So this is a concept that's like not easy to sit with. (laughs) And I think there are days where I got to like tell myself that advice because there's some days where I'm like, I need to know. I want to know. I have to know, but I don't know. And the more I adjust to that, the more comfortable I am and the more I'm able to lean into the joy and the other values that are really, really important to me. That's really well said. As you were talking, I even found myself just sort of contemplating the power in the unknown thing. And I 
I almost want you to go deeper, but I kind of want to leave it at that and let everyone sort of decide what it means. And maybe they can reach out to you to have a further discussion later. Can I offer an example, though? I I would love to offer an example about that. Yeah, let's do it. Because this is um, something that's sort of that power in the unknown and just keeping that concept in mind is something I've been doing since 2015. But just last year, I had quit my full-time role. I was working virtually for another organization. I began to work full-time for myself. So it was a big leap for me. And all I wanted to do was get my 2020 planning in order. What am I going to do? How much revenue am I going to bring in every quarter? All the information. And I didn't know. And I was like beating my head against my desk. I tried. I sat down with pen to paper, Excel spreadsheets, Google tools, you name it. I sat down with my strategist who helps me with my business. And every time I came to him, it was like my brain and my body would not let me. So I just Mm -hmm. had to let it be. And by trusting in that power of the unknown, I don't know what it is. I'm all about putting the good juju out there in the universe. But I said out loud, I'd like to do a TEDx one day. I said it out loud, and that was it. All of a sudden, all of these resources and people came my way. And next month, I'll be doing my very first TEDx talk. And the reason why I mentioned that, though, is because I could not have pictured that. My brain could not have processed or even imagined that possibility for 2020. Mm. Maybe, oh, maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years. No. There are so many things that have transpired and manifested in my life in the last two months or going forward in this year that I could not plan for, even if I tried. And so that always brings me back to this power of the unknown, because no matter what you believe in, no matter who you believe in, no matter what you practice, there's so much room for possibility in that mm-hmm. that can be so much greater than anything else that you can think about beforehand. Does that make sense? does really well said thank you for the example i think that's i I struggle with this myself my wife and i kind of different opinion on this frankly because we were talking about this last night her main motivator in business is security mine is significance you know hence why i'm in a real estate agent role and she's as a personal trainer you know trying to meet with clients regularly like it's very different roles we're getting very different things from them and we were talking about how we can align those two things so that we have a good relationship and a good business, you know, partnership and all of that sort of thing. And she likes to plan. She's the spreadsheet person. Like she, she's all about that stuff. I am, I bounce around a lot more than she would like for herself for sure. And definitely would like me to sort of pick a path and just go. And I'm sort of struck by what you're saying of like being open to those possibilities. Sometimes you got to put the energy and the work out into the universe, whether that's through a practice of some kind or like a journal or, or just the work that you do with clients and the conversations you have with friends, putting that stuff out there and being open to whatever possibility shows up because generally things will probably show up for you, but there's often no way you could have planned or spreadsheeted the way that it shows up. <laughs> And I know that to be true for my real estate business. I know that to be true for friendships and, you know, my rowing career. And I'm sure you see that in your coaching practice every day. Absolutely. Speaking of your coaching practice, I imagine that you come across a lot of people or women in various states of functioning or or dysfunction or frustration or 
sadness or sobbing on a subway train. Um, <laughs> what is one of the biggest success myths that you've been able to identify around all of your students, I guess you would call them? Yeah, I think working with clients, I think that even though intellectually we know we cannot do it all, we mm-hmm. think we can do it all. We mm. operate like we can do it all. And so the top two things that always come up when I'm working with someone is asking for help and setting mm-hmm. boundaries. Mm-hmm. Those are usually the two areas where there can always be more work done, especially as women. You know, we, we, we run the world, right? We hold it down. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we're at, we're at the foundation of every successful organization, relation, whatever. But we somehow fall into this pattern of I'll pick, I'll pick up that person's slack. I mm. will take on the extra project. Oh, this person needs me to show up for them. So I'll go put my needs last so I can show up for my crying friend or for that colleague who's in a jam or for the boss who really needs me at 5 p.m. even though I'm about to go out the door. And mm-hmm. so what ends up happening is that we end up exploring what are some of the judgment criticism and shame that underlies asking for help, whether it's your personal and professional life and setting boundaries. Because so many of us were taught, no, you don't say no, don't be rude, don't be a bad girl, don't be a bad employee. You know, we're already supposed to work twice as hard, twice as fast, right? Just to prove ourselves Mm -hmm. and negotiate for higher salaries and all that stuff. But there are a lot of implications and things that are buried under, like you said, right? You're peeling back that layer. And I can't tell you how much shame there is, especially the shame we put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to show up powerfully. I can't do that. Well, why not? Why can't you, right? So even the things that seem scary, it's really mm-hmm. breaking down like, who's the big bad wolf here? Is it the boss or is it you? Or mm-hmm. is it both, right? So it's really getting clear on all of that because those are the things that drive our inner critic. Those are mm-hmm. the things that say, you can't do that. Mm-mm, you didn't work hard enough. No, you could put in another hour. No, you could send another email. What are you doing sitting back relaxing? You don't have time for that. Don't you mm-hmm. want that promotion? Thank you for your time today. I want to respect the rest of your evening here. So I am going to transition us over to the final segment of the show called the Focus Five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Ready. What book have you gifted most often? The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. I just read that at the end of last year. (laughs) Fantastic book. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that be and why? Oprah. I admire Oprah. Luckily, she's alive. And she's always asking the questions. So I would get curious about what helps her work so hard and make as much impact as she does around the world. Mm, Great answer. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? That there's power in the unknown. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, absolutely. I love it. Um, And we've already dug pretty deep into that. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? My son, who is four years old, and my daughter, who is two years old, climb into my bed and wake up me up. I take my son to the potty. Eventually, when we get dad to wake up, we go downstairs, make coffee, 
brush teeth, oatmeal. When everybody has their breakfast and I have mine, I pick an angel card, I write in my journal, I might do a little bit of Reiki, and I just try to get myself grounded for the day. Beautiful. What is the best place online that the listeners can connect with you? Coachanita.com. Coachanita.com. And so I'm going to have that down in the show notes, guys. And along with your social profiles on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, all that good stuff is down there. Shania, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. You've definitely brought a lot of value today. Do you have any final words for us before we sign it off? All things are possible. Dream big, y'all. All right. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. And that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Shanita, for being on the show. Guys, if you want to connect with her directly, the show notes is the place to do it. Her website as well as her social profiles are all down there. So go check her out and tell her that you heard her on the show. And while you're down there, my Calendly link is there, of course. So head over there, grab a time, let's connect, let's get to know each other a little better one-on-one. And if you're getting value out of this or any of the other episodes I put out, really appreciate it if you head over to iTunes, hit subscribe, leave a rating and review so that way we can keep growing the show, keep reaching a few more people, and just keep getting some critical feedback from you guys, the listeners. So without any further ado, this is your host, Hans Strasina, host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.